Darkness, greetings, especially to you, my friend. Welcome weer eens by die watergat. I'm Peter Warren, and I'm so glad you tuned in. Welcome to the watering hole. For the next golden hour, we're going to be looking at Paul's letter to the Colossians. I hope to help you find comfort for your trying times and to stand for what you believe in, even against all opposition and ridicule. So get your coffee or your tea and pull up a chair. Before we get into today's topic, let's just open in a word of prayer. Our Father, we come to you, for there is no one else to go to. You alone have all the answers to life. We thank you for this opportunity to speak about you, to hear your truth, to send your word out into the atmosphere. We know that you stand God over it to see it come to fruition. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you make this real and alive to us today. Father, would you bless our time together that we may bring honor to your name, that we may do your will and extend your kingdom. We ask this all in the precious name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So, geliefdes, ons titel vandag, Against the Tide. The book of Colossians teaches principles of living a Christian life in the midst of a non-Christian culture. Sometimes this calls for us to take a stand against the tide of public opinion or popular trends. In this message, I want us to address such issues as how to please God, how to develop a stable walk with God, how to think like a Christian, how to practice spiritual self-defense, how to live with a focus, and how to become a prayer warrior. All of those issues are contained in this one letter of Colossians. And you know, this might sound pretty elementary, 101 stuff, but it's always good to get back to the basics of our discipleship. So let's jump in. Session one, how to please God. In all of these sessions, I think there are nine of them, we cannot possibly read the whole letter. So I'm going to mention the scripture verses that I'm speaking from. And if you want to study that and read that in your own time afterwards, it will be absolutely to your advantage. So how to please God. Colossians 1, verse 1 to 14. Summed up, it says this. To please God, we need to love Him enough to change the way we act, the way we think, and the way we live. I do want to read some of the verses here. We pray that you would walk in the ways of true righteousness, pleasing God in every good thing you do. 
Then you'll become fruit-bearing branches, yielding to His life and maturing in the rich experience of knowing God in His fullness. And we pray that you would be energized with all His explosive power from the realm of His magnificent glory, filling you with great hope. Your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of His beloved Son. For in the Son all our sins are cancelled and we have the release of redemption through His very blood. What a powerful scripture. Some believers in the church at Colossae had wanted to combine elements of paganism, mysticism, Gnosticism, and worldly philosophies with their Christian doctrine. They believed, amongst other things, that God did not create the world, because why would He create evil? They refused to see Christ as the only way of salvation. They believed that people could find God through special and secret knowledge. That is Gnosticism. Paul writes to confront these shallow, false teachings and to confirm that as believers, we have all we need in Christ Jesus. Only through Christ Jesus can a person be saved. We live in a similar world these days. We do not need these pagan ways of thinking. Sometimes we have to stand against the tide of public opinion or popular trends. There are two things in this letter that make it especially valuable to us as believers. Firstly, our attention is drawn towards the total, supreme, absolute glory of Christ's person. Secondly, this is the interesting one for us, the mystery is unfolded in Colossians 2.2, that the church is made one with Christ. And we'll speak of that a little later. The more you discover and appreciate this fact, the more it will support your faith and give you encouragement in an environment that knows nothing of this and in fact even rejects it. The intention of this letter is that you receive teachings from the things mentioned in it and begin to reflect on them. The result, no doubt, is that your heart and your eyes will be filled with the glory of the Lord Jesus. This is why I'm asking you to go and read this letter again. I can assure you that eventually your soul will be overflowing with gratitude, with joy and confidence. So, the only way to stay stable and strong in today's evil world is by visualizing the entire glory of Christ. Christ is not only equal to God, He is God. Philippians 2 verse 6, Christ was truly God, but He did not try to remain equal with God. 
Instead, he gave up everything and became a slave, becoming like one of us. John 10:38. But if I do what my father does, says Jesus, you should believe because of that, even if you don't have faith in me. Then you will know for certain that the Father is one with me and I am one with the Father. John 12 at verse 45. And everyone who has seen me has seen the one who sent me. So whoever gets to know this glory of Jesus will never need to have anything to do with the errors of the world. So we come to session two. Unfortunately, we don't have that much time to go in any deeper depth in this letter. Session two, an easy life or a great life. Colossians 1 from verse 15 to Colossians 2 to verse 1. 115 to 21. One of the hallmarks of becoming a Christian is redefining what it means to be successful. Success is not about living an easy life. It's about living a great life. One of the mysteries in this letter that I touched on before is that the church and Jesus are one and the same thing. Paul was persecuting Christians. Jesus asked him, Why are you persecuting me, Saul? In Acts 9.4 He is one with us here on earth and the Ephesians letter tells us we are one with him in heaven. Paul's exhortation is that the Christian should direct his thoughts and feelings on the things which are above and not on the things that are on earth. We find that in Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2. So we are not to be surprised by persecution or ridicule or opposition. This does not only mean being killed for your faith. It also means being laughed at, called names, being passed over for promotion, and so on. All just because you're a believer. In fact, we rejoice in these things because we share in the sufferings of Christ. Let's talk more on this point in the next segment. For now, come as luisterias a bieke lekker musiek en dan praat ons verder. Welcome back to The Watering Hole. I'm Peter Warren and we are asking the question still, an easy life or a great life? Let's talk some more. When Paul says in chapter 1 verse 24, that is finishing up the sufferings of Christ. He is not saying that Christ's suffering was incomplete or inadequate to save us. He is also not saying that there is a specific amount of suffering that each believer must endure. What he is saying is that suffering is unavoidable living in this fallen world. It is called Christ's suffering because of our relationship with him. When we suffer, he feels with us. This suffering of ours can be joyfully and patiently endured because it changes lives 
and brings people into God's kingdom. You see, people are watching you. They're watching you. They know what you go through. And we as believers go through all the same stuff. Retrenchments, unemployments, loss of loved ones, um, you name it. And they're watching to see how you hold up and how come you still have hope and what do you have that they don't have. 1 Peter 4 from verse 12. Dear friends, don't be surprised or shocked that you are going through testing that is like walking through fire. Be glad for the chance to suffer as Christ suffered. It will prepare you for even greater happiness when he makes his glorious return. Count it a blessing when you suffer for being a Christian. This shows that God's glorious spirit is on you. So now we come to session number three, a stable walk with God. Colossians 2, from verse 2 to 7. Summed up as follows. We are saved by faith and we live by faith. Not by feelings, not by emotions. If your Christian life resembles a roller coaster ride, then Colossians 2, 2 to 7 can show you how to establish stability in your daily walk with Jesus. Paul is not struggling against the heretics and the false teachers, but he is struggling for and on behalf of the believers. You see, if believers live in accordance with what they have become and what they have received in Christ, then false teachers cannot gain control over them. We should not underestimate the importance of praying for each other as we struggle along with Paul. Will you pray for your fellow believers? Prayer is a great tool that God has given to us to comfort others. Don't you feel good when somebody says to you, I'm praying for you? Even if you are someone who perhaps does not have a public service in the church, you can still be an instrument of comfort and encouragement. You should not think little of consoling a heart as though it is something trivial. It is the fruit of a prayer battle. Matthew 6, 6, when you pray, go into a room alone and close the door. Pray to your father in private. He knows what is done in private and he will reward you. Beloved, another fruit of this prayer struggle is that the believers will be united against the enemies with their false teachings. They will be firmly knit together with the bond of love. Absolutely. Welded together and interconnected believers who love each other form an impregnable fortress. Believers who are knit together are not only protected from evil, but they're also open to what is good and right. You must note, however, that this is talking about a fellowship experience. 
You cannot experience this kind of thing individually. You need to be part and stay part of a local body. Paul is also very anxious that you and I come to the knowledge of the mystery of God. And where can this knowledge be found? Nowhere else but in Christ alone. For in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, says the scripture. Christ is the great treasury of divine riches. Nobody can add something to him. He doesn't need anything added to him. Everything is hidden in him, which at the same time is inviting all of us to search for these treasures. All these treasures in Christ are available and accessible to all believers, even you, my friend. Let's come now to session four. Think like a Christian. Colossians 2, verse 8 to 15, summed up as follows. Everything we need, we have in Christ already. In contrast to what worldly philosophies teach, Paul states very boldly that everything we need, we have in Christ. There are several things to note. Number one. Beware of any teaching that credits humanity and not Christ as being the answer to life's problems. These will soon become a false religion. Rather focus on Christ's words as the foundation of your faith. He alone has the answers to life's problems. Point number two. We do not need to investigate and study other religions, cults, and unbiblical philosophies. Knowing Christ, we know that He alone has all the answers to the true meaning of life. No Christian needs anything that Christ has not provided. Point number three. In Paul's day, people were baptized by complete submersion under the water. This symbolized the death and burial of the old life, followed by a resurrection to new life in Christ. If we can think of our old sinful life as dead and buried, we will have a powerful motive to resist sin. You see, before we believed in Christ, our nature was evil. But every Christian believer has a new nature. Our evil nature, our bondage to sin, and our love of sin died with Christ on the cross. Galatians 2.20 My old identity has been co-crucified with the Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the Anointed One lives His life through me. We live in union as one. Wow! Me and Jesus living in union as one. We can enjoy our new life in Christ 
we will still feel like sinning and we will sin. The difference is that before we were saved, we were slaves to our sinful nature under the power of sin. But now we can choose to live for Christ. And 1 John 1 9 tells us if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Please keep short accounts with your sin. Ons gaan nog voort met muziek en daarna gesels ons voort. Welcome back. You are tuned to the Watering Hole, the Watergat, on At Radio. I am Peter Warren and today we are looking at the book of Colossians to learn more about standing up for our beliefs in a world that is crazily opposed to us. Most of the times when we take a stand, it will probably be against what the opinion is of the majority of people around us. In this letter, Paul clearly teaches that Christ has paid for our sin and has reconciled us to Father God. Also, that Christ gives us the pattern and the power to grow spiritually. Since Christ is the exact likeness of God, the visible expression of the invisible God, when we learn what He is truly like, we begin to see what we need to become. Since Christ is Lord over all creation, we should crown Him Lord over every facet of our lives. Since Christ is the head of the body, His church, we should nurture our life-giving connection to Him. Paul stresses particularly that the divinity, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, what this should mean to us as believers. Because our eternal destiny is sure, heaven should fill our thoughts, sexual impurity and other worldly lusts should not be named among us. And truth, love and peace should mark our everyday lives. Our love for Christ should also translate into love for others, even our enemies. We should also constantly communicate with God through prayer and take every opportunity to tell others the good news. You see, beloved, in Christ we have everything we need for salvation and for living the Christian life in an unchristian world. We do not need all their crazy, destructive, weird philosophies and shallow thinking. Kom ons luister weer, bykie muziek, na gesels ons Welkom terug by die watergat. Ek is Peter Warren en jy is ingeskakel op Ad Radio. We are talking today from the book of Colossians about standing strong in troubled times. We come to session number five today, spiritual self-defense. And the reading for you is Colossians 2, 16 to 23, summed up as follows. Connect to Christ and allow Him to become the focus 
of your existence. Paul gives us a course in spiritual self-defense. He shows us how to protect ourselves from thoughts, ideas, beliefs and attitudes that would put us at risk spiritually. There are three primary pitfalls to avoid. Number one, oh, in fact, there are four. In our worship, we should never criticize other Christians whose traditions, practices, and ceremonies differ from ours. The Bible does not tell us how to worship, only whom we should worship. Number two, beware of false humility. Some people today practice a false humility in that they talk themselves down so others will think they are spiritual. False humility is self-centered. True humility is God-centered. Point number three, beware of any teaching from a person who is not connected to Jesus by faith. They will bring heresy and error into your life. And the last point, beware of legalism. Following a long list of do's and don'ts that uh, can make you appear moral and upright but are only superficial. You can be very legalistic but fully unsaved. You are just religious going through the motions. Only the Holy Spirit can change the heart of a person and that is what Jesus is all about. Let's look at session number six. When people rub you up the wrong way. Colossians 3, verse 12 to 17. Summed up, God wants us to live together in unity. Beloved, the ability to get along with others, as you know, requires a great deal of effort. We have to learn to live in harmony with one another. I don't know who said it, maybe Artie Kendall, uh, living with the believers in heaven. Oh, what glory. Living with the believers on earth. Now that is a different story. But you know, iron sharpens iron. And that's what the local church is for, is to get us ready for heaven. Paul's strategy is a six-point strategy. Imitate Christ's merciful, forgiving spirit. Now, all of these you will find in Colossians 3 from 12 to 17. Number one, imitate Christ's merciful, forgiving spirit. Number two, let love guide your life. Number three, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Number four, always be thankful. Number five, keep God's word in you at all times. And number six, do everything as Christ's representative.
That's it. Only a few words, but wow, what a mouthful. We come to session seven. We may seem to be going quite quickly through this, but I'm trusting that you are going to read the lesson for yourself and uh, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Number seven, what you do comes back on you. Colossians 3.18 to 4.1 If you do right or wrong, you will be paid in kind. What you sow, sell you my. What you sow, exactly that, you will reap. The Bible teaches that what we do in life comes back to us in this life and in the life to come. If you do right, you will be paid for doing right. If you do wrong, you will be paid for doing wrong. Wow. I'm sure that rattles somebody's cage out there today. Paul describes three relationships. Husbands and wives, parents and children, masters and slaves, or in today's language, employers and employees. In each case, there is a mutual responsibility to submit to one another and to love one another, to obey and to encourage, to work hard and to be fair. In Ephesians 5, 21 to Ephesians 6, 9, you can get far more detail and information about this husband and wife relationship. Such a challenging relationship, and yet our deepest. To correctly represent our king in the home, in school, in the workplace, in the shopping center, everywhere. That is what we are called to. We are called to constantly examine our family and work relationships. Do we relate to others as God intended? Employees are instructed to work hard as though their employer was Christ himself. Working for Jesus. Colossians 3.22 Slaves, obey your earthly masters in every respect, not only when they are watching, like those who are strictly people-pleasers, but with a sincere heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you are doing, work at it with enthusiasm, as to the Lord, and not for people because you know that you will receive your inheritance from the Lord as the reward. Serve the Lord Christ, for the one who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there are no exceptions. You see, there it is in the word. A master, an employer, should be just and fair, equal pay, equal work, all those kinds of things. Colossians 4, verse 1. Masters, treat your slaves with justice and fairness because you know that you also have a master in heaven. And we come to our last session, 8. Become a prayer warrior. 
Colossians 4, verse 2 to 6. Summed up, we need to develop a solid foundation of prayer. We must be praying people. Paul challenged the Colossian Christians to do three things concerning prayer. Make prayer a priority, not an add-on. Look for things to pray about and pray with a good Bible-based attitude. We are called to keep praying even if answers do not seem to come. Persistence demonstrates our faith that our prayers will indeed be answered. The delay might be God's way of working His will in your life. Know that God is present, is always listening, always acting, maybe not in ways you had hoped, but in ways that He knows best. And so, beloved, as we come to our prayer time today, I invite you, never mind where you are, where you at. If today you will honestly call out to God and surrender control to Him, He will meet you where you at as you are, and He will help you if you will let Him. Your challenge and mine, as always, do you believe that your life can change in this one prayer time? I do. If you do, make a life-changing decision right here, right now. We're going to look at these things briefly in our prayer time. And you might have to tweak one or two of those things and say, Lord, I need to come back to the basics here. Invite the Lord into your prison, into your circumstances, into your trials, into your tough place. Ask Him to help you. Ask Him. He never forces Himself on us. And most of all, beloved, thank Him, not only for what's past and what is, but for what He's going to do in answer to this prayer. I want to remind you, as I always do, you were not designed to be defeated. You were designed to live a victorious life of overcoming joy in this world as a shining light and example to all around you that Jesus is real and what he has done for you, he can and will do for them. Kom ons luister nog muziek and dan gaan ons bid. So beloved, as we come to prayer now, I want to ask you not only to pray for you, but also to pray for those who are listening who maybe don't know Jesus. And when we extend an invitation to them just now, I really want you praying for them. Pray that the scales will fall from their eyes, that the fingers of the enemy will be broken off of them. Pray that he will let the people of God go. So, Holy Spirit, will you please come and help us as we look at this prayer time today? This is our priority.
We have dealt today how to please God, how to walk a stable walk with Him, what our thinking should be like, how we can defend ourselves against error, how we can live with Christ as our focus, and our need to become a prayer warrior. And we need to be able to do all of these things in the face of opposition and ridicule. Strum up. Why not? Let's ask for help today. For indeed, our God wants us to succeed. He wants to bless us. He wants us to represent Him correctly. So let's pray that. Father, you know what's in our hearts. You know what things you have highlighted in our lives now by your Holy Spirit. And you know we need to fix things. We just fall on our face before you, Lord. We ask you today, please come and help us. Take us from where we are, where we're at, to where we need to be. I ask, Holy Spirit, would you come and help me become the person that I'm supposed to be. And by faith I receive that help now. I invite you in, Jesus. I'm not fighting anymore. I'm not rationalizing. I'm not making excuses. It's me, O Lord. It's me, it's me, it's me, O Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Thank you, Jesus. And my friend, if you've heard this message and you don't know Jesus as your personal Saviour, that can change today, just in one prayer time. But you need to speak to Jesus. You need to sit there one side. I don't want to put words in your mouth, and I won't. But you can say something to him like, Lord, if you are real, would you please reveal yourself to me in a way that I will know it's you and that you love me. And then you need to tell him about your life. You need to tell him that you lived all the wrong way because you didn't know how to live the right way, but that you want that to change today. And so you can say to him something like, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins, all my wrongdoings, and you rose from the dead, and you're coming again to fetch your bride, and I want to be in that number. I want to be part of your bride. So, Jesus, will you come into my life today as my King, as my Lord, as my Savior? Will you forgive me all my wrongdoings, even as I forgive every person who has ever done me wrong? No matter how difficult that is, I just do it now. 
I forgive myself for the way I reacted when life hit me so hard. And I forgive you, Father God, where I have falsely accused you. Please forgive me for that. Now, Lord, I ask that you cleanse me of all my wrongdoing, all unrighteousness, and make me your child today. Restore to me the salvation, the identity, and the destiny that you have always had planned for me. I thank you for that. Jesus, I thank you. And now, beloved, let us all just thank him for his answers to our prayer today. Even if he answers in ways that we don't expect or if the timing is not what we expect, that's okay. Let him be God. He knows how to do that. And so, Father God, we thank you today for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're going to do. Jesus, we thank you that you made this all possible for us. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you make the reality of Jesus the Christ real in our lives. You open the word to us. You reveal to us the truth. And we just thank you today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, and amen. Das ich geliebt is. Nog een story uit. Fluit, fluit. Dankie weer eens. Lekker warm water gaat keier vandag. Until we meet again, be richly blessed. As Peter Warren wat groet. Tot die volgende keer. Sterte. Leef iemand raak. Met die liefde van Jesus. And remember the last chapter of your life is in your hands. Write it with all you've got. God bless you, beloved.